Hola, bonjour, hello. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it's possible to have a word language class where instead of teaching the language, the rules, and the vocab, you and your students use the language to enjoy learning about each other and the world? I hope your answer is a big yes, because that's exactly what you will discover inside Growing with Proficiency, the podcast. My name is Claudia Elliott, a Spanish teacher born and raised in Colombia, who is as passionate as you are to support our learners to grow in their proficiency and cultural competence. My goal is that in this podcast, you find clarity, strategies, ideas, and inspiration that you can bring into your classroom the next day. Are you ready? Get comfortable while I grab my cafecito colombiano and let's start this conversation now. Hola, bonjour, hello. Welcome to episode four of Growing with Proficiency, the podcast. Okay, I have my cafecito, so let's go. Today, we're going to do part two. Last episode, episode three, was part one of how to stay in the target language. And I talked in the last episode about my three big shifts that took me from not using target language in my class at all to using a ton. And today, I'm focusing on three strategies that I use in my class to sustain and maintain the use of target language in my class. Okay, so before we start, I want to invite you to download these five legends that I wrote for my classes that are for different levels, and you can use them in October because they're perfect for this month. So you go to growingwithproficiency.com forward slash leyendas, L-E-Y-E-N-D-A-S. Also, if you're interested in learning with me, I want to invite you to check out the upcoming series of four live sessions that I'm going to start. First one is going to be October 29. We are going to learn everything from input to output in the word language class. If you're interested, check out growingwithproficiency.com forward slash power pack and use the code GWP podcast to receive 10% off. Okay, so let's start with my first strategy. And this strategy, big disclaimer, I start using it and being very intentional in my class this year. So, yep, this year I start using this and I want to invite you to try all the time new things because there's so many great strategies out there. And sometimes we put a lot of, um, I don't know, objections to use them. Uh, but if it works for other word language teachers, sometimes it just takes one decision and use them in class. So TPR has been that for me this year. So what is TPR? TPR stands for Total Physical Response. Response, And it's a method that it was developed by Dr. James Asher. And basically what uh, Dr. Asher um, saw and observed is that children respond to commands physically when they're learning the language, when they're babies. And what happened is that you are activating the right part of your brain. And that right part of the brain is able to internalize the new language immediately without a time-consuming analysis by the left side of the brain that is in charge of language use. And when we use the right side, I'm not an expert, by the way, but when we use the right side, when is that the movement one? It is less, the, the cognitive load is, is lower. 
And that's why students tend to acquire and internalize that language faster. It's really effective and efficient. Now, the first time that I learned about TPR, I was thinking about elementary and middle school students. And that's why I didn't even try it in high school. Now, I started using it a little bit with um, games as brain breaks. For example, with Simon Says, it was perfect and my students enjoyed it. But I wasn't intentionally intentional until this year that I learned from other world language teachers. And I basically um, was listening to Dianara Castro in, and John Coward in different um, conferences that I attended this summer. And what they did is that really opened my eyes to a different approach to TPR. Uh, one is for instructions in class. When I give instructions to my students in class, I tend to go to English, especially when it's the first time that you're introducing an activity to your, to your class. Then I just kind of like lost my patient and I went to English. And when you think about it, you give a lot of instructions in your class. And if every time that you have to give an instruction in your class or tell your kids what to do uh, and using the common language that in my case is English, you're going to start adding minutes to that use of a common language instead of target language. But on the opposite, if you are introducing all those commands through TPR to your students, then imagine the minutes that you're adding to the use of target language. So that is great. So what I do or what I have been doing in my class is using TPR to introduce all the commands that I use in my class for instructions that I give my students and for like language that I use to say, oh, go to my closet and get me a piece of paper or get that tape. And, you know, like those use the, the normal day-to-day communication with your students. So instead of going back to English uh, or say it in Spanish and my students looking at me like, what are you asking me to do? Now I am much more intentional to use them through TPR, introduce them and then use them. So TPR was big, big, big. The first weeks I spent a lot of time doing TPR, the first weeks of this school year. But now I keep doing it on a daily basis because then I was listening to John Coward and he said that he's looking ahead. So he says, I'm going to read a novel in a month. I'm going to look at the novel and I'm going to identify the words from that novel that I can preload in my students through TPR. And I do that. And I was like, that is so clever. So what I do now is I try to do the same. I'm thinking about, okay, what I'm going to be the topic or the story that I'm going to be telling my students in two weeks. And I look at the vocab and I'm going to say, okay, these words I can use in TPR. Uh, for example, I told my students the uh, story of La Tomatina, which is a festival in Spain. And they have grab the tomatoes, throw the tomatoes, run, um, uh, dance, sing. So all those words, I introduced them before I told the students the story through TPR. So guess what happened? When I told my students the story, the load, the cognitive load for them was so much less because all those words were already being preloaded using TPR. So TPR is a great way for us to introduce not only instructions that we use in class, but also um, words, concrete words, action that we're going to use in our content. Now, how to do TPR, and I'm going to go through this really quick because this can be an entire episode. 
and maybe I'll do that. Let me know that you'll be interested in doing just an episode on TPR. But basically, what we're going to do with TPR is first, and I'm learning this, and Dianara Castro came to my Spanish Teacher Academy to taught us this. So I've been learning from her a lot. So this is all her credit. No, it's not mine. So the first one is model. So you're going to write your words on your board the, in the target language and in the common language. And then you're going to point at the word. You're going to say the word and you're going to gesture the, the word model. The second one, the second step is delay. So you are going to point at the word. You're going to say the word, but you're going to um, delay your gesture. Now, after that, you go to the third step and the third step is mistake. You're going to say the word. You are going to do a different gesture and you're going to look at your student. Now, every step, it doesn't mean that you do one repetition per step. You're going to do multiple repetitions each step and then you're going to observe and the reaction of your student is going to be the data that you need to say, okay, I can go with the next step or they need a little bit more of this step. Okay, so the fourth step is that you're going to remove your gesture and you're, you're going to say the word and your students are going to do the gesture with the, without you modeling the gesture. So those are the four steps. Model, delay, mistake, and remove. Now, after a while, your students are going to be like, oh, this is just so boring. So you add details. Oh, stand up slowly or stand up like a robot or walk like a baby or walk like a cat or uh, cry as a baby or cry as a, a robot. And then you add a detail and then you do a change of command. So stand up slowly, walk like a robot towards the door. So you have a chain. And then you can even play games. You can divide your class in groups. You can ask one part of your class to do something and then another part of your class to do something different and maybe like um, do things to each other. Like look at the group I divided by countries. So we have Colombia, United States and Spain. So stand up and look at Colombia. Colombia, stand up and sing a serenade to Spain. And then you become more creative. I'm not that creative yet, but I'm working on it. However, what I've seen are results. And that's why I wanted to share with you. All my students, my juniors, my seniors, my uh, freshmen, my sophomores, all my students have told me that they love it. And they love it because they are amazed of how much they can understand and retain in the long term using TPR without the friction that sometimes causes when we're doing oral language, right? Like when we're doing the oral input and they're decoding the sound and the words and just a lot for them uh, cognitively. So when you do TPR, you're really lowering the um, that friction. It works. I really wanted to try it. Uh, it's a great way for you to introduce all the instructions and imagine the minutes that you're adding to use the target language. Remember, if you want an entire episode in TPR, let me know. Send me a DM in Instagram or tag me in Facebook or send me an email and uh, let me know if you want an episode on TPR. Okay, the second strategy is PQAs. So what are PQRs? PQAs are personalized questions and answers. 
So these are questions that you ask to your students. Now, when you're asking these questions, I always model. So every time that I ask a question, I answer first. And then I ask a question to one student, and then I ask the same question to the class. So the way that I do it is not me asking question to one specific student and then move to the next and then move to the next and then move to the next because I don't get much, I don't know, meat from that conversation. It really is like a shallow conversation. And I don't want that because I want to go deep. So what I do is I ask a question to one student and then I ask to the class and then I keep asking a follow-up questions. Now, you may be wondering like, okay, so how is that going to work in the target language if my students don't understand the language? Okay, so this is how I do it. I uh, usually do PQRs with this intention and it's to contextualize and connect. It's like my hook for the topic that I'm going to be discussing in class and also to contextualize some words that I'm going to use in my upcoming unit. I'm going to give you an example because that's going to be easier for me. I introduced to my students and the unit that I was going to do with my Spanish 3 and my AP was identity in Latino America. And I was going to use a song by one of the, um, uh, a Puerto Rican band that is called Calle 13. So one of the words that I wanted to talk is patria, homeland, pride, orgullo, injustices, uh, is it worth it, hard work. So there were like five to seven words, I think, that identified that I really wanted my students to be familiar with those words and to use those words very contextualized and to ignite the conversation about what is your homeland, what are the, the richness that you are proud of, and what are the challenges that you have in your homeland. So basically, that was the conversation. But, you know, again, it's very complex, the topic, the words couldn't be introduced through, through TPR. I could have written the words on my wall and move on, but then they wouldn't get enough repetition and enough context to use those words. So what I decided to do is I created six questions and they were personal questions for my students. But instead of asking the, the questions to my students, um, like to any student, what I decided to do it is do it as a style of a star student interview. So I created my slides. And when I created my slides, this is what I did. I created a caption for each question in English, or at least the word that I know it was going to be new for my students. And then I gave them possibilities for possible answers. Why? Because if the student or my class didn't have the linguistic repertoire yet, to answer to the question, then they will be able to use the scaffold that I use on my slide. So that was perfect. So for example, I say, are you, why are you proud of your homeland? And I said, because of the beauty of my homeland, uh, because of the people, uh, because we were hard, because we have opportunities, uh, because, you know, so I gave them five choices and they were short and I put them on my slide with the captions in English. And I invited a student to answer the question. So I invited, I say, we're, I need a volunteer and four or five students raise their hands. I chose the one who have the strongest, um, um, the, was the strongest in Spanish because the complexity of the topic. So I invited to come to the front and they were, uh, two of them were heritage speakers and they came to the front and 
they uh, answered the question. And now and for this particular topic, I really wanted to have a student as a star student interview who had that um, heritage because we were talking about homeland and, and the richness and the comparison between the country where I was born or the country for my parents and the countries where I live. And that experience could be shared by a, by, by a person who was a heritage speaker. And I always feel like my heritage speakers can bring those, that richness to my class, the experiences they have. Uh, and I like to highlight that. So I invited to the class, to the front and I asked the questions. So the words that I was using, they were contextualized and I modeled the answer first. Then my student modeled the answer using my scaffolds and then the class felt that they could share more because they have seen the, they have heard two answers before them. And let me tell you, it was not only one student, but there were several students who raised their hand because they wanted to answer to the question. Now I want to keep my answer, my student answer, the class, and then maybe one other student or two, because when it comes to too many, then you go, you tend to go with, okay, next one. Right, like you don't go deeper and try to investigate or discover more with that specific student or that experience. So it kind of gets shallow. Just something to think about it. But through PQAs, you can you can really preload and contextualize uh, words that are not concrete, words that are not easily and visual visualized for your students. And I love to do. Pick yours in my class. Okay, so that's my second one that allows me to stay in the target language. The third one is something that I discovered uh, a few years ago is identifying three to five interpersonal activities that you and your students love. Why three to five? Because when we tend to go to English sometimes in our class is when we give instructions. And usually it's when we are introducing a new activity to our students. But if we repeat the same task, the same activity, if we repeat it over and over and over, then the load of understanding the task doesn't exist. It's gone because they become experts on doing it. And then they're going to focus on using the language. I that is not only save a lot for your students, they make, they, they feel so much more comfortable, but for you and for your planning, because you don't have to be thinking and making decisions every class. What I'm going to do next class, you become also an expert delivering those activities. And you may be thinking right now, okay, but my students get bored really fast. I understand that, but I think our goal shouldn't be entertain them, but staying in the target language with meaningful activities. So what I do is once we become experts in the task or the strategy or the activity, then I start adding twist. So what are my three big ones? My three big ones are weekend chat, calendar talk, talk and social emotional learning checks. And I'm going to talk briefly about each one because I want to keep this episode a uh, short. I mean, trying, right? <laughs> okay. So let's, we can chat. We can chat. What I do is I use the slides that Bethany Drew created, and I'm going to put the link in the show notes for you. So the slides are basically the question and the translation in, in 
English for me, and then some possible answers for the students with visuals so it's comprehensible for them. And uh, I display that and I ask my students, what are you going to do this weekend? I do that on Thursdays and Fridays because I have A-B schedule. And then on Mondays and Tuesdays, I ask my students, what did you do this weekend? So it's great because we are sharing about our life, but also we are being exposed to future tense and past tense. So it's kind of like matar dos pájaros de un tiro, like we would say in uh, Spanish, killing two birds with one shot. It's just perfect. But the best part of this is that your students are going to be talking about them. So think about your prep. You already have the slides and just share the slides with them. Give them five minutes. Limiting time is great. I really think that we need to give them less time than we think they need to. And if you need to add, that's so much better than they finish and then they start talking in English and they're like, you know, doing something, but limiting the time. So what I do is I embed a timer with relaxing music and a timer. And my timer for weekend chat is always five minutes, five minutes. So I put it there and they write and then we share. So it's amazing. We love it. And then you can add twists. So my twist is like, oh, make up a weekend. So maybe you're going to have a spooky weekend or a superhero weekend, or a luxury weekend, or a disaster weekend, and just add something to keep it, to keep the novelty of the class. I also like to do true and false, and you write it, and then you share, and then we decide what is true and what is false. Just ideas to have twists. The second one is calendar talk. Calendar talk is one of my favorite activities. I'm becoming an expert. I learned from Tina Hargenden, but we do it really well in class. We do it so well, but then my second semester, my students lead calendar talk and they, they become so good. They know they, I mean, they, they, they even have the Colombian accent. I love it because we do it every day. They become experts and they ask the questions. My, my class knows how to answer. We ask about their life. We talk about whose birthday, a test that they have, a homework that they have, if they have practice or if they have a game. And then I ask questions related to the specific month. So of course, if it's going to be a big, like homecoming. So are you going to go to homecoming? Do you have a dress for homecoming? And again, I'm doing the scaffolds on my slides that I pre-do. And also we have links for special important events in the world and in the Hispanic community. So sometimes I have um authentic resource link. So I click on the resource and I give like a picture talk in the in Spanish about the event, and then we move on. Calendar talk is something that we do every single day, and my students love it, and I love it. And sometimes it goes for four minutes, and sometimes it goes to 20 minutes. Check out my Instagram account, and I did uh, have, I share a video of me doing calendar talk uh, for like two minutes, and you can look at it and see how we can stay in the target language during that um, um, activity. And the last one is social emotional learning checks. Every single day, my students answer a question. And the question is, how are you feeling today? And I have different ways to ask the same question. How are you doing? What's going on today? You know, the, the same greetings that we use in Spanish, that we have different ways to ask. And then I give them options for them to answer. What is the great part about this is that by now, which we just finished the first quarter, my students are adding much more. And I'm just always so 
I don't know, it makes me super happy to see how much language they have acquired in just one quarter and how comfortable they are and how they react. And this also is creating a great, strong community in each one of my classes. I do it every day. So if you think about it, I start with social emotional learning, which it just lasts between five to 10 minutes sometimes, not quite 10 minutes, but between five to seven or eight minutes. Then we do uh, do now, which for me is reading. So we read uh, for 10 minutes in total uh, with readings and some activities that sometimes I do after that. And then I do calendar talk. And calendar talk can go between 5 to 20 minutes. If you count that, I can just go with 35 minutes already planned, already know what to do with all my scaffolds ready to go. And I haven't even done content, my unit. And after calendar talk, I do my unit because I have classes of 90 minutes. So that is how I sustain and maintain the use of target language in class. I hope this episode with my three strategies, TPR, a total physical response, PQAs, personalized questions and answers, and identified repetitive activities that you and your students love. I hope that these three help you sustain and maintain the target language in class. Now, I want to know how it goes. So please, please share with me. You can send me a DM. You can tag me in Facebook and let me know how these strategies are helping you or if you have had any aha moment. So before I go, I just want to remind you that uh, if you're interested in downloading my legends, you can go to growingwithproficiency.com forward slash legendas and get those five legends into your inbox and that can be a great resource to use during October. Also, if you're interested in learning with me, check out my upcoming series from input to output at growingwithproficiency.com forward slash power pack. Don't forget to use your um, uh, special coupon discount and GWP podcast to receive 10% off our first live session starts on October 29th. Now, if you like this uh, podcast, I need, I want to ask you a big favor. Please write a review if you're listening in Apple Podcasts because your reviews is going to help this show to be viewed by other world language teachers. So if you have the time, I would really appreciate that. Okay, so that was it for today. I hope that you have a wonderful week and I will see you next week. Thursday. Nos vemos. Chao, chao.